To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not just their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. To the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. Well, well, well. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to... Chiss Ascendancy. I am feeling freaking excited. You know, this is episode 41. Just like, what's so exciting and special about episode 41? Well, it's pretty different. Why would you think it's different? It's coming out on a Friday. It's coming out on a Friday? Why might it be coming out on a Friday, you I, ask? You tell me. Let's have a look-see. Maybe... Maybe. This will put you... Maybe a little bit of this reminds you. Maybe a little bit you, of that. Huh? Maybe a little bit of this does it for you. Huh? Maybe a little bit of... This little guy does Maybe it for you. Maybe a little bit of this. Maybe a little bit of this. If you can see what that is. It's a Mandalorian. It's a Maybe Mandalorian. a little bit of... I'm not even going to show you that. That's a surprise. Maybe a little bit of... The Mandalorian came out last night. A little bit of the Mandalorian. We're in Houston, Texas, Whoa. and it aired at 2 a.m. here. It aired at 2 a.m., and uh, I'll we be honest happen. with you, man. My mind, when we were watching this episode, I'll tell you what it was like. It was like this. <laughs> my mind was blown. Bang. The greatest sound in Star Wars the history. The greatest sound in Star Wars history, and that's what my mind was like, just going off all night. So, here's the thing. First of all... Shout out to Jared, getting us this pop oh, for the desk. Cool. Uh, all right, so uh, first of all, a couple of things. Let's cover a little bit of news, and then we're going to give you our spoiler-free spoiler review. Spoiler-free review, and then we're just going to draw a hard line. Um, and then once you're in, you're in. Once you're in, you're in. Uh, so first of all, if you realize that the intro song and sequence uh, was at the beginning of the episode and it felt a little bit different, it's because obviously it was... It was a little uh, bit different. A little bit different. An amazing quote by our favorite Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah. And uh, and then from Thrawn's lips himself, welcome from to you. From Thrawn's lips himself. That was featuring our our good friend Mark, Mark Thompson. Thompson. I don't, I, we don't really know each other very well. I just like to say. Uh, I feel our like good I know him. Mark Thompson was kind enough to do a little voiceover for us. Let me tell you the story, guys, about this. Okay. I, uh, I've been listening to Star Wars audiobooks for probably about a decade now, and my first audiobook that I ever bought, uh, obviously I've read Star Wars books for a long time, uh, the first audiobook that I ever bought, I listened to the first like five minutes, 15 times on Amazon before I was like, I'm doing it, I'm buying it, uh, and it was Bloodlines by Karen Travis, read for you by the one and only Mark Thompson. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who Mark was. If you have ever listened to a Star Wars audiobook, the chances are high, very high. That, that you've listened heard to Mark, Mark Thompson. Thompson's voice. Yeah. So, um, pretty pretty full circle moment. So, I basically found uh, his contact um, email and whatnot, and I just told him about the podcast, and I asked him, hey, we're the Chist Ascendancy. Basically, Thrawn is kind of our base of, not just that he's the main character that we talk about, but that, um, you know, the slogan for the podcast is Thoughts from Wild Space. So, anything and everything is on the board would you want to do a voiceover for us? And he writes me back pretty quickly and says, I'd love to, um, but 
Lucasfilm and Disney are a little bit tricky when they to let me do Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. You need to reach out to Penguin Random House Audio. So if you don't know who that is, that's the person who's responsible for all the Star Wars, Harry Potter, like a ton I of. I think it's the entire branch of fiction, freaking science fiction, fantasy, yeah. all that kind of stuff, audiobooks. Oh, so I was a little int- intimidated. I actually, I don't think I've ever listened to an audiobook that wasn't produced by Penguin Random House. Yeah, I don't and know. I own like sixty something. So. I, uh, so I reached out to them, and uh, they said, okay, and they said kind of the same thing uh, Mr. Thompson said, that it's a little bit tricky, so I have to run it through Lucasfilm. And I was like, what? Uh, so someone at Lucasfilm knows about our podcast, so there you go. They probably they already gave forgot, us, but they heard it. They gave us the green light, and Mr. Thompson sent us a myriad of options. Oh, yeah. I was freaking out the whole time I was listening. I um, had to go back multiple times because I would just hear him start saying something. I'd be like, oh, my God. I know. He would be like, to defeat an enemy. And I'd be like, ah, and I couldn't hear over my own excitement. Um I could, I could hear myself smiling. You ever smile that hard before that you're like, you just hear yourself going. You can feel your heart beating like your upper cheek. Yeah. Um, you know when the Grinch gets a wonderful, awful idea and he's like. That was us. That was us for. I felt like my cheeks were tearing. A whole while. And then, you know, I went back in and y'all have heard, if you've been on the show before, you've heard the, the yeah. theme song that I made Samuel you know, worked back his, in January. His, his uh, rear end off. Um re queuing, sinking, different, together. yeah, making sure the yeah. timings lined up. Uh, so huge thank you, shout out to Mark Thompson for yeah, that, that was incredible. So the Thrawn voice, yeah. is welcoming you to the podcast. Uh, so that's the podcast news. And then uh, speaking of Thrawn, some other news coming out from Delray Star Wars Book Two of the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy. Yes, uh, lands in May of 2021, and uh, I want to say May 21st, but I could be wrong. It's called Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good. And uh, the cover is uh, kind of the very heart of the Chimera. We'll put a picture uh, of it if and, you're listening. Uh, Sorry uh, if you're watching. Here we'll comes put, a picture. Yeah, yeah, we'll put a picture up there for you. Uh, he's standing in the heart of the Chimera. Sadly, the Chimera are not wearing their sombreros. <laughs> um, but Thrawn's right there walking through the middle of it. Uh, Thrawn, does, Thrawn and Timothy's on both. And the artists that work with them never do anything that is... Just because. Yeah. So he's walking through the thick of it is my thought here. He's yeah. in the heart of what's going on. Uh, and then other news, uh, some villains, um, some that we had seen, some that were brand new are uh, now listed at, I believe it's on StarWars.com to kind of celebrate Halloween coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for the uh, High Republic, uh, you had the Nile, N-I-H-I-L. Uh, we talked about those on our High Republic episode, if you want to look for that. Um, and we talked about what they look like. They kind of look like Mad Max meets Star Wars. Yeah, there's a, it's very <clears throat> pop-punk-esque. Um, yeah. Kind of, it has like a, if you've ever watched Treasure Planet, I watched that movie again recently and fell in love yeah, with it. Yeah, very Treasure Planet look. Very Treasure Planet-y. But the two characters that I don't remember seeing, uh, number one is uh, Markion Rowe, M-A-R-C-H-I-O-N, Marshawn, Markion? I think Marshawn is wrong, but that'll be funny. Uh, Markion Rowe. P32 Explosive Space Modulator. And uh, it's pretty cool. So this guy... Marvin Martian? He he, uh, kind of... Oh my God, what if his Martian? That's so funny. He uh, actually kind of has a Sidon Ethano look. So he's the guy in The Force Awakens, has the red helmet with the fins that do like this. Mm-hmm. That fin is trying to get off of uh, off of Maz Kanata's 
uh, castle with. Right, 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 right. And then when Hosnian Prime is destroyed, he realizes for the greater good, he's got to follow Ray and Han wherever they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has kind of that look, and he's known as the Eye. And it's like an inherited thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool because he has like, it looks like a, almost like a shotgun, but the top of it looks like it could be like some kind of a plasma thing. So I wonder if he can like cut you with that part. And then the most interesting and also kind of, it's like a hit or miss kind of concept, is uh, a character called the Dringer, D-R-E-N-G-I-R. And it basically looks like a bird, if a bird was that meat mountain from Stranger Things. It the, has meat, a, the meat teeth guy. It has a uh, an air of hash-slinging slasher uh, meets the vine bender from Avatar. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, and so I think it's basically, it's sentient, but it's it kind of reminds me of, remember the Yuzen Vong where um, they thought that any kind of technology was um, was an abomination. And so any of their weapons or how they fought or even their ships were organic things. And so this guy kind of seems like that sort of thing where he himself is kind of like a weapon. Yeah, He's yeah. like a, a giant beast. Maybe like a, like a dark Groot. Yeah, exactly. Groot meets Stranger Things meets Star Wars, the Drencher. Um, So that's pretty exciting. Uh, but that's enough of that. Get that crap out of the way. We're going to talk about some Mandalorian. Uh, so what we're going to do is for, um, let's set a timer. How long do you want to go spoiler free before we jump into the schmooge? Uh, you want to do five minutes? Yeah, five minutes. Okay, here we go. Set a timer. Uh, episode nine, chapter nine, The Marshal. Uh, let's just do some ratings and some how it made us feel, and then we'll put on the Rogue One alarms and do full spoilers, okay? You go first, scale of one to ten. All right, I'm trying to be rational because I remember last Don't time... Don't be rational. It's I, Friday. Go for it. I watched a Star Wars thing that I fell in love with was... Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, and I was like, best Star Wars ever, because I was just so primed for it. So I've been really looking forward to this, and I will just say this, and most people don't know me since I was a child, so I can say this with, you know, pretty, pretty much security without spoiling for anybody. Things I have waited for Mm -hmm. since I was a child, those came to pass for me. So, uh, on a scale of one to childhood fulfillment, I'm going to give it, like, an 8.5. Ooh. It's Friday. I'm giving it a 10. <laughs> I'm so stoked. Um, from start to finish, just a lot of really cool stuff. It was. There it was some, not. There were some things that I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing that? Yeah. Um, just some. It's Dave Filoni and John Favreau and that crew that they've created over there with the Mandalorian have just done some amazing things. You can tell. If you're a Star Wars fan, you can tell that the people making Mandalorian are huge Star Wars fans. Right. And you know what's interesting is that, um, you know, part of the reason that I'm mad at Ryan Johnson uh, for... Not that I'm mad at him, but part of the reason that I'm envious of of The Last Jedi is because he got to make his own Star Wars movie. And he is a super fan. Ryan Johnson is a super Star Wars fan. But... I don't think that he had the relationship with George to know how to carry on the story. But Dave Filoni and John Favreau are like flying and thrust. <laughs> and so they're like best buds right now. But Dave Filoni is kind of like the Joshua to Lucas's Moses. And so he's like carrying on, you know, 
when you watch the, the, the gallery episodes on Disney Plus of The Mandalorian and you mm-hmm. hear him talk, I don't care if it's for five minutes straight. I'm like, everybody shut up. Nobody look at him. Nobody say anything. Nobody get a drink of water. Dave Filoni's talking. Um, and so you can tell that it's just with great care. It's just been done amazingly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when the episode would slow down for a little bit, um, it, it, I was not ever bored. I was not ever waiting for anything. It was yeah. 52 minutes long, so pretty much an hour. Honestly, I the, the time disappeared on me. For sure. You know what I mean? Like, and some things are so... When it was yeah. ending, I was like, we're only 25 minutes in. What's going to happen next? You know? right, and then I right. looked down, it's been like 45 it minutes. It was a beautiful balance because some things are so slow that you are checking your phone for like... Is it almost over? It feels like it's slowing down to a halt, and that just keeps going, keeps going. Um, you know, that's that's what Canto Bite felt like for a lot of people. The Last Jedi were like, "What the freak are we doing on Canto Bite?" You know, mm-hmm. it was a really cool concept, really cool town. Um, maybe it's just the storyline. Some people feel like it doesn't add anything to the storyline, so that's hard. Um, I do get the trying to create another most icely type area. Um, and then with the Rise of Skywalker, a lot of people's complaints were it was so fast and so much was happening that. What are we doing? You know, there's no, where the freak, why is there, why are there Snokes in a bathtub hanging upside down? If he's not necessary anymore, why are they still there? You know, is the Emperor alive? Is he dead? Did he live forever? Did he, is this a clone? Why is his hands like that? Things like that. And nothing was explained. There was no dialogue from the Knights of Ren. None of that kind of thing. Don't do that again. Um, but this episode of the Mandalorian was just a beautiful balance of, um, timing and execution. And just like you said, childhood things that we wanted to happen have happened. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, I would recommend you watch it. And, um, we, we stayed up till 2 a.m. to watch it. We did. And we made it work. Against my initial better judgment. And then I was up till, you know, kingdom come because i just couldn't sleep i was wired yeah but it was definitely worth it for sure um Um, i fall in love with star wars again every single time i watch an episode of mandalorian you know what and i said this as well um we're getting a little close on our time here but uh the merchandising for star wars sometimes can be a little exhausting Mm -hmm. with like the child like everything um but as soon as i see him on screen i'm like there he is yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm back in love he with him again. He every time. Yeah. Like, I'm mad at people for exploiting him, and then I see him, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. You, you did know. nothing wrong. You, you did nothing you wrong. You can never do anything wrong, Baby Yoda. Uh, Mandalorian did an amazing job, mm. and um, just some very, very cool stuff. Um, high praise. Where would you rank it in your top, you know, there's nine episodes so far. I think maybe top three. Okay. Maybe I think third. So, third favorite. Episode three, the sin. That's your favorite, I believe, with all the Mandos coming to save Mando at the end. This is the way. Yes. And then, what's your second favorite? Uh, I think episode eight. Hmm. That was a really good one. That was a really good one. You get to see some cool stuff. And that's with Moff Gideon and the Dark Saber and whatnot. Yeah, it's with Moff Gideon and the Dark Saber. You get the Connor McGregor Flame Trooper. You get to see the Signet. You see armor <laughs> go ham on some. Uh, troopers, troopers you see the rising phoenix there's just there's so much there and then episode one of season two is third i think so just Very be, cool. there were things that just really came true like story wise 
I think I enjoyed the story for three and eight better. Sure. But there were just so many things that, yeah, it was Star Wars. You know what I mean? Right. So, all right. So there you go. We loved it. Um, I would rank it in my, okay, as far as just how I felt leaving the episode, it might be my favorite right now. Um, seeing all we'll talk the, about it again next seeing week. all the Mandalorians on screen episode three was hard to beat mm-hmm. so that might be my favorite still um, man episode eight was really dope though Giancarlo Esposito is just a bad mama jamma moth pollos <laughs> you have something I want he's just such a boss yeah, he's but, got a very commanding presence. Yeah, he really He's been does. very successful for literally playing the same role in everything he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Same character. Same yep. guy. Same voice. Same demeanor. Same vocabulary. Yep. He's very just cool. there. All very right. Dope. All right. All right. All right. You've been warned. <laughs> Intruders in the base. Intruders in the base. All right. So we... It's it's spoiler time. All right. So spoiler you've got city. five seconds. If you've gotten this far and you haven't watched the episode... Kindly put us on pause. Yep. Go Open watch up a it. New tab. Con- control T. What's our time at right now? Sixteen thirty. All right. So go to seventeen minutes. If you haven't watched it yet, go watch your video and then come back. Fast forward to seventeen minutes, and we'll jump into it. I'm literally just saying these things so you have. There's a good gap there where you're not being spoiled because I'm about to go ham. I'm about to go in. All right. And all right. You've been warned. Here we go. It's your fault now. Oh. <clears throat> So, we meant to do an Instagram Live, but it was after 2 in the morning, and we'd all been up all day except for Josiah, who went to sleep, and Josiah said, hey, last thoughts, and I thought that this was going to be broadcast, but it was not. And I said, what do you think is the over-under that Boba Fett shows up in episode 1 of season 2 of The Mandalorian? Mm Mm-hmm. What was your answer? Can you hear me with this thing on? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, My thought was, freak yeah, it's going to happen. Uh... Over, under, I'm not a betting man, so I don't know how that works, but I'm betting it happens. (laughs) Over 100%. Very nice. So So I had a feeling that he would come in exactly where he came in, which was the very end of the episode, just like last time when they teased Boba Fett, and I was like, this is the way. Yeah. Right? We're just going to tease Boba Fett gradually for five seconds at the end of every episode. Yeah. My thought was, um, okay... First episode, we've got to reestablish ourselves a little bit. Right. We've got to get back on track. Um, and the show, I realize this, okay? I'm a super I'm a super Boba Fett fan. My favorite character. It's Crazy. never going to be undone. Um, but I know that this is not about him. I know this right. show is not about Boba Fett. And so if you ever hear J.J. Abrams talk about The Force Awakens, he says, I wish I could have used Luke more. But anytime Mark was even on the set, I could not focus because Luke Skywalker was on the set. And the story needed to develop the Kylo Rens and the Rays and the Finns and the Poes and, you know, all those main characters mm-hmm. to survive Luke's presence. Does that make sense? Right. Because you have been in most of uh, A New Hope, but you've never seen Ben before. Right. If all we right. had so, seen the yeah. prequels and the Clone Wars and the Kenobi series and then Ben was in episode four... We wouldn't give two freaks about Luke Skywalker. Right. So if we were at a nomination ceremony for like Nobel Prizes in mm-hmm. physics and mathematics, and by some miracle, uh, a Nikolai Tesla or an Albert Einstein were to walk into that room, 
even though we have the most intelligent minds in the world in that room. Yeah, you don't give it two freaks. Every, Einstein's in the every room. single one of those people is forgotten. Yeah. Because Nikolai Tesla just walked in the room. Albert Einstein just walked right. in the room. Well, you think about even in today's world, people who are even still alive, like, um, you know, uh, if you are if you are in the room and someone that has been a past president walks in, whether you even like that person or not, right. that person's presence takes over the room. Right, so I know that the Mandalorian is not about Boba Fett, mm-hmm. but I just had a strong feeling that he would have that Luke Skywalker appearance, where he's just at the very, very end. You know, whether he even says anything or doesn't anything, um, I feel like he's going to be in the episode. Right, and we were absolutely hundred percent, thousand percent correct. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll get into that at the very, very end of how that yeah. felt because let's we can walk through Here's it the cool linearly. Thing, so a while ago. John Favreau on his Instagram. How does that do for the frame? John Favreau on his Instagram teased the the Gamorian, the, the yoked Gamorian, yeah, in his gladiator and garb. Pretty cool because and he I made thought, good on that in like the first thirty seconds. Yeah, I I thought that the I thought that the Gamorian was um, a one of one. I thought that that was something that was made for him from mm-hmm. the set. Like you know what I'm talking about, where like. George Lucas, you'd walk into Skywalker Ranch and he's got like a one-of-one of of like a freaking, you know, a Jar Jar bust from the concept art table or whatever. Mm -hmm. I thought that was that. But it turns out that um, Sideshow Collectibles or something, I can't remember what company, but they're making that that statue. Yeah. I want to know how much it is. And they were like, pre-orders are open up today. This is like a week ago. And I was like, how much? Because I'm very interested. Um, But they didn't put the price. To me, that sounds like it's a lot. So I haven't looked yet, but that's uh, that's Mondo dollars, yeah, right there. Is that what Mando that's what dollars? That means? I think is what you meant to say. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so you scene opens up, okay, and uh, we're walking into um, we're walking into some planet. We don't know which one. Mm-hmm. And first of all, can we talk about the Space dope graffiti? Star Wars graffiti? Yes. What did you think about that? Uh, did you did you see anything interesting? I saw one that looked kind of like 3PO, and because it's bright and golden, that kind of attracted my info or uh, attention the most. Um, I think there looked like some stormtrooper yeah. kind of scribbles, which made sense. Yeah, I saw quite a few um, look kind of like snow troopers, maybe. Yeah, I thought it would be because um, I was thinking, and this is maybe just in my mind, he's kind of overblown, but you would think at this point, C3PO would have some sort of reputation in the galaxy. You think he's, so? He's People all, would know who he is? Well, it's like, um, even if it was just like a thing of legend, you know what I mean? He's at all these important places. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so there was that C-3PO that kind of got me thinking about that. But um, it was just like a cool, I don't know, touch of real life in right. Star Wars. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things that kind of brings it home for you. Yeah, I really loved the, um, I really loved the drawings and I loved the, I think that, I, I'm not for sure, but when you're about to walk into that, that arena... There's a little scribble up there, and it looks kind of like an Aqualish, the butt face guy mm-hmm. from uh, A New Hope, and so Ponda Baba. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool looking. I don't know if that's him or not, but it was just cool stuff. Um, and then there were, uh, as he's walking down the street, there are... Space um, dingoes. Yeah, space dingoes. I wish I could find what those are called. Yeah, all you see is a pair of eyes. Um it was kind of reminiscent of the dog that Embo has or on, um, what's that episode of the Clone Wars called? The, uh, the, it's not the island. It's the Citadel, something like that. Uh-huh. That Jedi prison where they're rescuing, um, 
Russian Yoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have, you know, kind of the tracking dogs. Yeah, kind maybe of, these were those because it kind of looks like I was trying to find. Um, There's not enough really to be 100% unless somebody comes out and says what they are. Anuba, that's the name of it, which is kind of a cool. It's an Egyptian reference. Um, it was interesting because I thought it was either an Anuba or I was trying to find this before I. This is what I think it is. I think it is. I think you're correct. I think it's an Anuba. Because if you look, um, there's, it's really hard because it's so dark. Mm -hmm. But if you look, like if you really strain your eyes, there's one that kind of gets close to the light but doesn't go into the light. And it looks more like a wolf. Um, and then in Rebels, there was this animal that they could hunt in the dark, but they couldn't get into the light. Do you remember that episode? No, really. Um, and of course, Ezra has that thing with animals where he can like control them or has a force connection. So he's like trying to calm them. And then once it gets dark, they get like more agitated because they're like hunting prowess starts to warm up. I couldn't tell if they were those. Um, but if I remember correctly, those had yellow eyes. Perhaps. Um but yeah, that was very cool. So you walk right in there, and then you have the freaking Gamorreans fight scene. Mm -hmm. uh, what uh, did you think about those axes? Well, hold on. Let's uh, let's talk about the um, the bouncer. Yeah, the uh, ethnic diversity play of the bouncer. I had just never seen uh, a toilet that wasn't some shade between pink and lilac. Yeah, it is very interesting that you have. Uh, he had it a cool was voice. It was oh yeah, enjoy the fights. Yeah. It was interesting because Come yeah, it was a, from the Green Mile. It was a very uh, oh, what's the guy's name? I expect him to like vomit uh, butterflies or moths or whatever the freak. The, what is it like? Remember when, he, remember when he's I like? I don't know. Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan always happy cries. <laughs> I thought he was gonna do that. Um, it was very interesting to see a Twi'lek with like a human yeah. skin color because uh, even white Twi'leks, yeah, like pink. Champs yeah. and Dula are pink, and then you have Hera, who's his daughter, who's green. So. What was her mom up to? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but you know what? Um, Frick, what's the... Bib Fortuna? No, Bib Fortuna's pink. He's a pinky boy. Uh, I guess, well, yeah, well, never mind. He's kind of whitish. He's more pink than white, though. Dude, He's if got you... the crazy, like, white rabbit eyes. Bro, if you look up uh, the, you know... Bless their heart. Kenner was trying back in the day, but you find the... Bib Fortuna from, like, episode two. Dude, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm talking about from, like, episode six toys from, like, the 80s. Mm. He's like... <laughs> it looks like freaking like Mojo got a hold of him. What's that, uh, what's that game where you have to do, like, catchphrases and stuff, but you have, like, the dentist thing in your mouth, and you're like, let's go to Taco Bell. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, know, Dude, Bib Fortuna, the old... <laughs> The vintage figure. His eyes are like, he looks like he's holding diarrhea and his teeth just look like he's had his lips ripped off. You remember when there was that Russian sleep experiment video that was floating around the internet? They were like, they didn't sleep for six months. And for some reason, the picture is like a guy without lips. And it's just like, dude, so funny. If I didn't sleep for six months, my lips would definitely recede into the rest of Like that of my one head. guy you call Melman? <laughs> looks like that guy. Yeah. So, Gamorian fight scene, dude. I was, uh, I was very not confused, but I was kind of impressed by the axes. Mm -hmm. So I guess that yeah, they have it, like. It seemed like it was kind of like a grav hammer concept from Halo, where it was yeah. like imbued with something other than just your normal uh, metal blade. Right. Well, because when you when you first see Gamorians, you're in Jabba's palace, right. and Jabba's rich, but I don't think that he's necessarily a guy that pays well. To like the random security folks. Well, and why would you pay well if your turnover rate was so high? Right. Well, that's my thing is, you know, when you're anywhere else, like 
when you see the Emperor's Royal Guards and they have those staffs, right. obviously you know that like when they hit you with that, it's not going to be hitting you with a cane. Like right. there's some freaking there's going to be yeah, some like a force it. pike sort of thing. But I really feel like the the axes and stuff that the Gamorians typically had, I thought they were just old school metal. And I you think know? that maybe those were, but these were completely different. It was kind of like. Um, you know, whenever you're watching like military training videos and they have like yeah, the staff yeah, yeah, that have yeah. like pads on it, mm-hmm. it was like American Gladiator, but for Gamorians. <laughs> you're watching Gamorian Gladiator. Yeah. This well, episode's going to be long, yeah. heads up. Yeah. We're going for it. Um, but that was very cool. And I feel like um, maybe it's like however hard you hit them, obviously the more force. But does that make sense? Yeah, like no, you could I, go for a killing I, blow. It was a cool weapon. But it was cool to see Gamorians that weren't. Uh, Overweight? Complete, yeah, and completely incompetent either. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it seemed like they had some sort of something going on. I mean, mm-hmm. if people came to watch, they were obviously skilled fighters. Right. Very cool. But it was also very sad because it was obviously not a very humane... It was like... Yeah, it was underground They were slaves, you know sure. what I mean? It was yeah. like fight to the death, Spartacus type stuff. Um, so you go in there and then you have... Um, I can't remember the guy's the name. Cyclops, something. But, um, Koresh is Koresh, his last name, yeah, which is funny because we were talking about David Koresh yesterday. Um, but Koresh, um, like the dying Gore Koresh. Gore Koresh. There you go. Thank you. Adam. D- is that uh, John Favreau? It's John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. What? That's the voice we could. I mean, yeah. We were hey, so what is? Was. So I thought it was John Favreau. I was like, but it doesn't quite sound all the way like John Favreau. Yeah. So in the trailer, whenever it's like. Wherever I go, he goes, and Koresh says, so I've heard. That sounded like John Favreau, yeah. but when you watch the actual episode, there are some things that I'm like, that's not quite John's right. voice. Right, and when John Favreau does Star Wars voices, he usually puts a little more uh, grit into his voice. So, what John Leguizamo, what else is he in? What is he not in? What's like um, an old, what's a movie that I would uh, know? Tracks of My Tears, uh, Tears Two of a Wong Clown. Fu, uh... I'm trying to think of anything recently. Um, we are hitting a miss so far. Yeah. Think about movies Josiah's. Smokey up, Robinson. Who the freaking... I guess I'll just look at a picture of the guy. He's in Moulin Rouge. He's in Spawn. Okay. Spawn in, I've seen. Spawn? Um, Playing but, with Fire. The new John Cena movie. Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking up John Lake Um He's in the Waco series. Oh, he is? Okay, yeah. what does he do there? Jacob Vasquez. Jacob Vasquez. Is he the All undercover? Right. He's in okay. John Wick Two. Undercover FBI guy. How do you spell Leguizamo? Um, L e g Kefoli. U i z a m o. Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, he's the voice of Sid from Ice Age. Okay, that's what I yes, said. Yes. Okay, you got to bring it down to my level. <laughs> he's Sid from Ice Age. Okay. So this guy was. That's so funny, dude. Wow. Went from delivering babies to trying to kidnap them. What a scumbag. Well, I guess he didn't really care about the, the child. So John Leguizamo, Sid the Sloth, is trying to get... Um, he doesn't care about the child, which is actually a cool spin because everybody and their mother was like, wanting the child last season. He wants the Beskar. Yeah, he's, he's Beskar boy. And he knows where a Mandalorian is. And he wants to bet on the Gamorreans. If this guy dies in the next minute and a half, then... I get your armor if he lives past a minute and a half. Right. Which he was going to end up, you could tell right. then he was going to kill the guy. Yeah. But, um. What a toot. What a fart head. I had a thought and then it, it just uh, went away like that Gamorrean's life. Just pff, poof. 
Uh, oh, let's talk about that Zabrak that thought it would be a good idea to punch Din Djarin in the head three times. Yeah. Like he didn't learn the lesson the first time that he's literally punching a Dude, metal helmet. Dude, for real. He's literally I did enjoy... he's his own friends more. I did enjoy that he, um, that on the third try, that uh, Mando was like, all right, bang, and like yeah. threw his head into the punch. Which would have sucked more. Yeah, and we got to see that sick gold vibroblade. That was dope. We got to Yes, I love a, that you could hear it. Z- yeah, z- have z- that z- resurgence of the uh, sing, singing birds. Whistling birds? Whistling birds. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen those since Hey, so three. here's, here's okay, a little bit of a tiny beef here. Um, remember when freaking the armorer was like, don't use these because they're super rare and expensive. And, and he's he used, used them, them in that episode. That episode, and he's used them at least twice since then. I assume it, there was quite a bit of Beskar left. I assume that there were more than just like you see. Because it looked like it wasn't just in there. It looked like maybe they were loading from like a chamber or something. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they weren't already in those sockets. I think maybe he had some in reserve. It'd be funny if every time he used them, he was like... Right. And he's plus just picking you, them up. Plus you see... Uh, there's like eight or nine of them, it looks like. You know what I mean? And so he only yeah, uses that's like true. three of them or four of them at a time. I wonder how that works. I don't know. He's got advanced armor. You saw freaking, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, you saw Cobb Vance with the daggum Pila in his helmet, you know, locking on, shooting the mm-hmm. jetpack missile. Where'd he get that second jetpack missile is what I would like to know. Correct. And also, um, it's interesting, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but... Um, if you look up what a rocket-firing Boba Fett action figure looks like from uh, 1978, it goes super rare because they realized they didn't want a toy that actually shot rockets at kids and poked them in the eye. Um, that is very similar to what the jet, uh, the missile that's in his jetpack looks like. Because mm. obviously the jetpack uh, missile that Boba has is that different. Ding, 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 yeah. ding, you know the the longer one like yeah, you see Jango has yeah, in Camino. Rising and then, um, and then obviously on Geonosis, he has something similar to what Din Djarin wears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very cool because when I was watching that, I was like, dude, that's freaking Kenner Boba Fett. Like, it's just, John Favreau is such a, such an old school, he was like, you know, when you watch the gallery, he's mm-hmm. like, this is like getting to play with your Star Wars figures, but in real life. And I was like, yes, he gets it. Uh, so that was very cool. But uh, he uh, basically makes that bet, you know, you're going to tell me where the Mando you know, other Mandos are because he's on a quest mm-hmm. uh, to take Baby Yoda back to his kind, the child, I wish, I say. Uh, and so uh, the deal is, okay, you know, he beats everybody in the arena because he gets jumped. And it's, if you tell me, I won't kill you mm-hmm. by my hand. And so he's, he, uh, dude, can we talk about how strong he is? To th- That guy's obviously a little portly. And he throws that cable over the light pole and then just goes... And the guy's like, shwink, and is lifted up. Yeah. I was impressed. I was like, oh, my back. That guy looked fat. That guy looked like he would not be light. His eye was, you know, five pounds. And so he picks that guy up, and he says he's on Tatooine. What were your thoughts at that point? Um, I was like, maybe Boba Fett? Because we since episode five, right, we've been talking about, is it Cobb Vanth, is it Boba Fett? Right. Um... And that obviously opened the door back up. He's looking for a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Koresh only knows where one is. Mm-hmm. He says Tatooine. 
Mando says, uh, I've spent a lot of time on Tatooine. I didn't see any Mandos, which is funny because it's like that's a whole planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if I you think, think about growing it. Up, he, I, think, I think that Mando has been on Tatooine before that's what I'm we thinking, see him go because, back. Because he has all that that's what uh, I'm saying, rapport dude. with the Tuscans. He's, he's learned how to communicate with the Tuscans and he seems fluent. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like that's an easy language to pick up. Can we just pat ourselves on the back a little bit here? I'm just going to say it. Uh, I I don't don't care that you broke your elbow. I I don't know of very many other folks who were covering Cobb Vanth 20 weeks ago, guys. I think it was episode 18. All right? And this is episode 41. So 23 weeks ago, we said, hey, there's this guy named Cobb Vanth. And... um, I was, I just, last night was so much uh, vindication for me as a Star Wars fan, as a Boba Fett fan, as a Star Wars reader. There are a lot of Star Wars fans out there that will watch the shows and they'll watch the movies and they think it's overkill to read the books and the comics. Well, and the thing is, like, we've, uh, we know some people that were allegedly unimpressed with the episode, but I think part of the problem for them is that there were so many deep cuts yeah. But I think they just didn't, they were not able to fully appreciate everything that happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, I had a guy contact me and was like, you know, what's all the fuss about? And I was like, what is the fuss not about, my friend? <laughs> uh, and so, so going there, the reason that right off the bat I thought it was Cobb Vanth is because we had covered Cobb Vanth and we we were told that he was going to be in on this place. And in the Cobb Vanth episode, right. I read that little portion of the aftermath trilogy right well and it, when they that say talks Mos about specifically yeah you know what i mean that's we mean most uh lagos or whatever sure because most espa and most Isley are still established right. okay. and then this one was abandoned because they end up calling it in the book i'm sure that some of the things didn't line up specifically mm-hmm. um but then he starts calling it freetown in the book because mm-hmm. we're all slaves and now we're free and i'm the marshal around here and they call it freetown yeah um and so Whenever they were like, well, it's going to be Mandalorian. Here's two reasons I didn't think that it was Boba Fett right off the bat. One, um, we had done the Cobb Vanth episode, mm-hmm. and we knew that Timothy Oliphant was playing something. He's very much of a Western gunslinger. Right. You know, he's from Justified and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, he's Cobb Vanth. He's, I think that's who we're going to see first. And then secondly, I thought that it would be too early in the episode right, for to sure. really bring in Boba hard and heavy. For sure. Um, well, and if we, I don't know, if we had a whole episode with Boba in it, I'm trying to figure out, like, how they would advance on that if he were just introduced, like, what, 15 minutes in? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, because we don't know how they're going to work together, mm-hmm. if they're going to work together against each other. I think it would be too much too fast. Yeah, and so um, they get to reintroduce the mom, or grandma, depending on your perspective, from Raising Hope. I forget her name in real life. Mm-hmm. Um... I, a, I don't know her character's name, but she's a uh, very cool character. I, I like... She's a fan of this little guy. Yeah, she loves Baby Yoda. Dude, it's just... They did such, They always do such a good job with making him do things that kids do. Mm-hmm. Um, my youngest is uh, a year and a half, and whenever he sees someone he likes, if I'm holding him, he just kicks his legs like crazy. And uh, he just like waves his arms. He starts breathing fast. And so whenever Mando's coming down the ramp and he's walking towards this lady at the uh, the spaceport, mm-hmm. and those three freaking pit droids are trying to help with the Razor Crest, they're just messing crap up. Um, Which uh, that's a little bit of character development for Din Djarin. Yeah, you know, that experience with IG Eleven. 
Yep. You know, warmed him up to droids a little bit. He was like, yeah, let it give the Razor Crest the once over. Yeah. So whenever he, uh, Baby Yoda sees uh, this lady, he's like, <laughs> he's like breathing fast. I just thought that was the freaking cutest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, shout out to R5 mm-hmm. being there in the spaceport. Yep. And uh, man, it's bad motivator. The little stuff, dude, it's the little stuff that just gets me. Yeah. Like when she's like, R5, get over here. And he's going slow, and she's like, God, come on. It's it's funny because I'm not a deep enough tech guy in the Star Wars realm to know what a motivator does, but it is funny that he has a bad motivator and he moves slow. It's kind of funny that he's like, obviously, like, yeah. it's jokey. It's a joke that he's lacking motivation. So she's like, come on, hurry up. And she's like, I can't get any good help around here. And as the camera angle changes and you're looking from behind R5, mm-hmm. You see his messed up motivator with that oil leaking or whatever yeah. from behind. Oh, There's some carbon scoring on ah, there from when it just was the good blown stuff. out. Just the good stuff. Um, and then we go over to freaking, uh, is it Most Lagos? Is that what it is? I don't know. You're the one that's seen the episode four times, man. I know. It's all mixed up for me. Anyway. So. Basically Freetown. Yeah. So we're heading towards Freetown. What did you think about that? What did you think about how it looked, and did you see anything you liked? Uh, it was very westerny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, it's it was a barren town on purpose. So you know, we get there, and then we have the Weequay bartender. Uh, I love that guy's voice. Yeah, that was a pretty cool little nod. It's it's cool to see one cooperating, right? You know what I mean? Instead of just kind of being a freelancer, um, like being I don't know, it's just kind of a. An unusual I, thing to include. What do you think about the way that? Um, what do you think about the way that they're making it where any species can be good or bad? How do you feel about that? Um, old, I think it old was school. Ine- st- I think it was inevitable. Yeah, old school stuff is so like cut and dried. You know what right. I mean? Well, it is. I don't know. It's if just... there's a character that's a rat in like a cartoon, it's gonna be a bad character because rats are bad, but mice right. are good and things like that. Uh, yeah. So we just. I don't know the. It was inevitable that the goings-on of Star Wars or uh, even you kind of see that in, um, if you read The Cursed Child, um, mm. you you know, you have some Slytherin that are fighting for the greater good. So, I don't know, I think it was just inevitable that to keep up with the societal shift, you know, of um, more gray areas and yeah. morality. It was cool to see, and who knows, maybe he maybe he was a slave or whatever and... and uh, well, because it was under, he was there, he was the bartender during the Imperial occupation. And he yeah. wasn't necessarily a slave until the Empire was destroyed and then the mining company moved in. Right. You know, so, yeah, very interesting. Um, Mos Pelgo. Mos Pelgo. Um, but it was very cool. So you get there, and uh, I do like something that I've always loved that I didn't realize I loved so much about Western towns or whatever. Um, it's how everybody's playing dumb. Uh, no, that is funny though. When he's like, what's a Mandalorian? He's like, looks like me. And he's like, he's like, this guy. Yeah. The old Bugs Bunny in long ears like this. Never heard of him. Um, but I do, I don't know why, but I love the wooden sidewalks and Western stuff. Just like the planks. Yeah. I just love it. It's like every building has a sidewalk. Well, I can remember, uh, being younger and, uh, we used to watch this old, cowboy show and uh they actually had the actual location in oklahoma and mm-hmm. so it was called dry gulch and you could go there and you could have summer camps there and stuff and you could dress up like a cowboy or whatever and i can remember going there 
and uh, of course had my boots with me at the time. So I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old and I was wearing my boots and I remember walking on the the sidewalks because it's all gravel and dirt and whatnot and then you have the raised wooden sidewalks. Mm -hmm. And I can remember walking and on purpose letting my heel hit the ground real hard and I was going... Like, I just like the way it sounded of like, yeah, this is what it sounds like walking in the West out here on these wooden planks. So just seeing that was very cool. Um, if you watch closely, um, at about 13 minutes when he's really, really slowly coming into town, there's somebody moving some equipment on the sidewalk, and it's Sam Whitwer, oh. voice of Darth Maul. Very cool. Is, uh, he's moving some stuff. Man, he's a cameo, skinny huh? boy. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he's, uh, he's walking in, and he's just... It's just moving something, but if you look for it, you see him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he walks into the bar, and he's, I'm looking for a Mandalorian, and he's like, well, we don't have any visitors around here. And he's like, what's he looking, what's he look like? And it's like, okay. Later in the episode, same guy goes, we've heard the stories. So I imagine he knows what a Mandalorian looks like. Yeah. And you know that he knows what a Mandalorian looks like, because when Cobb Vance doing like the flashback stories, when Cobb walks in in Boba's armor, he's like, Easy now. Like yeah. he like backs away from the drinks as the mining people are drinking. Um, but that was really cool. Cobb Vanth walks in and he's got that armor on. Yeah. And kind of a little camaraderie between um, Din Djarin and, and Cobb Vanth because, you know, Din Djarin thinks he's a Mando. Right at the beginning. And it's funny because you, you see him and the armor just doesn't look right. Part of it is because the suit he's wearing under is not... Boba Fett's, you know, yeah. flight suit. So that's kind of throwing you off. But he also like just fills it out differently. You know yeah, he's I mean? he's a little bit taller. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character is a little bit taller than Timur Morrison, um, but but also less broad. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think that's a good thing because it almost looks like he's wearing like football pads, but he's yeah. not like wearing the uniform. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting because he, there are times in the past I was talking to a skeleton astronaut about this, but. Um, he made a good point that in lesser shows or in older shows where they weren't thinking about this sort of thing, it's kind of like um, when you see a commercial and everyone in the commercial has brand new clothes mm-hmm. and you're like, this doesn't feel real. So for him to walk in and be kind of like, yeah, uh, well, and I never noticed I like how that. Um, it makes you realize, hey, what the freak is that crap? How, you don't, that's not yours. I never noticed how prominent the uh, hosing was you know, oh, yeah. from the, uh, to the, the chest piece to the gauntlets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very prominent. Um, just and also like Boba's got his uh, the groin armor area, and he's got his little belt. Yeah. So there's so much more going on. You don't realize that the chest piece really kind of stops at the navel. In my mind, it just always went to the waist. Mm. But it's kind of high waisted on on Cobb Vanth. So Timothy Oliphant walks in and he's like, what can I do you for? Yeah. And he's like, I've been looking for you for many parsecs. And he's like, I found you. And, um, you know, confession, obviously, I said this before, but I've watched it four times since two this morning. And uh, we started recording around 1.30 in the afternoon. So I've watched it quite a few times uh, in a short period of time. But um, it's very funny because he, uh, when he's like, let's get a couple of drinks, the angel Lorraine's like, what the freak do you want to drink for? Like... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I thought it was cool. He to didn't see... order any straws. What's going on here? I thought it was cool to see Din Djarin's Mandalorian side because you see him kind of being a good guy. You know, yeah. he's kind of letting stuff skirt, but you see somebody like violate the Mandalorian creed, mm-hmm. and all bets are off. He's yeah. like, "Give that armor to me." Well, it's very cool because I like how Din Djarin 
is proving himself to the Mandalorians in season one. Mm-hmm. When he meets Paz Vizsla and when he meets the armorer, he, you know, think about that. Has anyone ever, he's, he's got the armor, obviously, so he is a Mandalorian and he's followed the Creed and he was raised by them. But there's like a, there's a coming of age that happens um, throughout season one of like taking care of someone else and like mm-hmm. fighting the good fight. And uh, um, when she's making and casting his armor, she's like, has anyone ever, you know, have you ever removed your helmet for anyone? He says, no one. Has anyone removed it for you? No right. one. And it's like, okay, well, then you can then you can have this made. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was very, very cool. And, uh, and I think that you obviously see how much it means to him because mm-hmm. it's like... He goes zero to 60 real quick. You yeah. don't see him lose his cool very much. Well, he's walking to the table and he's already kind of hesitant because he's like, why is this guy being so freaking friendly? Mm-hmm. Like he's used to like the standoffish, like prove yourself Mandalorian style. And Cobb Vance is like, more cigarette? And so he goes to sit down, and you hear the helmet come off, and he... You, he immediately stiffens. Yeah. I do uh, props to Pedro Pascal, who has had to learn... Um, how to communicate How to communicate without a facial, without a facial expression, yeah. you know? You know, I, I always gave mad props to Tom Hardy as Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, but he has his eyebrows, which is 90% of your face, you know? Like, when you... If you're angry, you do this, or if you're happy, and you go, hmm, like... You know, we've all had to wear a mask for freaking forever now. And so you know what it's like to be like, hmm, you know. Uh, so you can communicate from your nose up. But to communicate with just your, you know, your shoulders, basically, he, he's going, he's like, like, he stops and he's not having it. And uh, right off the bat, Cobb Vanth says, I've never seen a real Mandalorian. And he's mm-hmm. like, you son of a gun. Um, yeah, he's ready to throw down right there. Mm-hmm. He, and I think Cobb Vant knows it, too, because he mm-hmm. says, you know, when I heard you were here, uh, I knew that you probably wouldn't be too happy with me having this armor, so I figured just one of us is going to leave this place. Mm-hmm. And he, he says, uh, you can do this right here? And he goes, right here. Give, give me the armor. And he goes, mm-mm. And he's like, All right, I'm going to take it from you. And he says, you can do it right here? And he says, mm-hmm. And he goes, in front of the kid. And one of your favorite lines. He's seen worse. He's seen worse. Just saw you destroy an entire arena of right. people. He just saw that guy he vibroblade that dude. I was to say he literally just saw Mando uh, feed that Cyclops to space dingoes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he was there for it. Yeah. He's he's been filmed. Nature is metal. He's he's been <laughs> the guy filming the attack. Um, so they're about to throw down. Who do you think would have won that? Mando. Enduring. First of all, Cobb Vanth wasn't even wearing his helmet. Wasn't he wearing the helmet? Headshot. Easy peasy. Shping. If I was Din Djarin, dude, what if he would have just went for it then? The tremor start. And uh, it was fun, kind of funny because we were watching Ballad of Buster Scruggs right before the episode mm-hmm. started. And he's like, you need to count? And he's like, no, sir. Bing! And he got shot. That kind of it, that was fresh in my brain. So when he was like, hang on a second, I was like, shoot him, Din! Shoot him now! <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's no honor. If you have the honor to wear the armor without, you know, yeah. really trying. But then so we see... Uh, First thing, we, there's like an earthquake happening, it's basically. About to get so it's I was getting making, hot a, here. making a joke about, Stone's coming at Annie, better get him quick. And how sandstorms are very, very dangerous. Yeah, he was like, we need someone with sand arthritis to tell us when right, to go We inside. need some old lady to let us know when the storm's coming. And, uh, that lady was probably 30. <laughs> Been on Tatooine, Tatooine 30. Rest of the world. Yeah, the rest of the freaking galaxy like 120. Yeah, Cobb Vance was like, I've lived on Tatooine my whole life. And I was like, oh my God, he's 13. (laughs) 
Tatooine just ruins people, dude. And the so, Tuscans uh, know what they're doing. And so, you know, you get the, the um, like, Bugs Bunny ripples, you know, like, taking a left at Albuquerque, going straight <laughs> down, uh, you know, First Street. Yep. And uh, I was like, what the frick is going on? And then I saw a little bit, a little bit of flesh underneath the ripple, and I was like, crate dragon, calling it. Well, you, you kind of saw some, I don't know if you want to call them fins or whatever, but you saw, um, you saw the spikes. Yeah. And, uh, what's so crazy is I was going through, remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about mm-hmm. episode one and, uh, or prequels and I was talking about the Darth Maul cards and we were joking mm-hmm. around about that. Well, I went home and I was digging through some stuff and I found my old Star Wars cards and I was going through them and, uh. The cards that we knew more about, that it, the style that kind of started with episode two cards, in the bottom right-hand corner, there are different symbols to show the rarity of the card. Mm-hmm. So if it's a circle, it's regular. If it's diamond, it's semi-rare. And if it's a star, it's like, it's rare. Mm-hmm. And then there's some that have a star and like a foil covering, which is really cool. But anyways, um, I was looking through and I had a star Boba Fett and I was like, oh, this is sick. And then I was, I was, you know, it's been probably 10 years since I've really looked through those. So I was looking through them and I saw a crate Dragon and I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. So I took a picture of him and posted it on Instagram at like 8 or 9 o'clock the night before, yesterday night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, anybody else got Mandalorian on the brain? And I was two for two. Uh, I had multiple people messaging me like, do you know something I don't know? Like after the episode had aired, mm-hmm. like, do you have an inside scoop? And I was like, just the force, just my mind. Um, but very, very cool. Yeah, uh, I had been wanting to see a crate Dragon. Forever. Forever. You see the skeleton in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And you wonder what the real thing looks like. Yeah, it turns out that the skeleton from A New Hope was a baby. Yeah, it was, it was crate a dragon. That was a crate, crate dragonette. Yeah. Um, dude, that thing was massive. How did you feel about that? Do you wish that we saw more of it? I think if we got to see the whole thing all at once, it would have been less overwhelming. Yeah, you know, Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred, yeah, I was about to say the Alfred Hitchcock thing. You're he talks about what you don't see. Yep. What a master. He says you're afraid of what you don't see because once it's it's any horror movie it's freaking uh yeah. what was the movie we were talking about the other day um dang it the one where the devil's like sharpening his nails oh uh, insidious. insidious dude insidious is terrifying yeah and it's it's super scared yeah it's it's like a happy Darth Maul and he's sharpening his fingernails on a grindstone and that's supposed to be terrifying and I was like womp womp like I was not afraid at all anymore uh and so I agree I I do want to see more of one it definitely looked different than what we've seen of crate dragons in the past um and massive. Yeah, freaking, freaking huge. huge. Well, and we, I think we know that this was an exceptionally large crate dragon. Yeah. It had been around for a long time because you hear Din Djarin saying that the uh, sand people had studied its digestive cycle for generations. Mm-hmm. So this bad boy's been around for quite a while. Quite a while, Brian. And it ate a sarlacc. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so sarlaccs, um, I don't know if you know this, they're huge. Yeah, in episode six, what you really see is like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. They have a, a large underground stomach system and things that they move. Yeah, if you've if you've played, we talked about the Force Unleashed a few weeks ago. If you've played Force Unleashed, there's a whole mission basically where you're inside, inside a Sarlacc. There's yeah. a whole like uh, Imperial base inside the Sarlacc, which is kind of wild. But mm-hmm. um, that is crazy. I forgot about that. Um, it's really crazy because you see this and. Uh, 
and they're like, yeah, they uh, they live in a they live in a abandoned Sarlacc pit or Sarlacc hole or yeah. whatever. And uh, Cobb Vanth is like, I've lived on Tatooine my whole life. There's no such thing as an abandoned Sarlacc pit. And Din Djarin's like, there is if you eat the Sarlacc. And I was like, Jesus. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Jeez. You remember the Aristocats where that goes? Oh, or no? Hold on real quick. So at the point of the episode, sorry, baby. At the point of the episode that we're at, they've already kind of interacted with uh, the some, Sand People. Some Tuskies. Let's go back a couple minutes before that. Okay. Let's talk about that speeder bike Cobb Vanth has. Okay. Let's talk about the freaking speeder bike Cobb Vanth has. Don't know if you know this. That's Anakin Skywalker's... That's Anakin Skywalker's pod racer engine. Yes, dude. So if you're a toy collector like myself, you better get on the Ebays quick before those skyrocket in price. I got one for 20 bucks last night. Did you really buy one? I thought you were just making it. No, no, I really did. That's really funny. Here's the thing. One of the parts about toy photography that's a little bit more... That gets me is that... I will want to recreate a shot, mm-hmm. and so I have to buy something to, to do the shot. And so... But yeah, so I was thinking, I was like, man, Cobb Vanth is quite the collector. Yeah, he's Boba Fett's, Fett's armor, armor. Darth got... Vader's pod racer. Yeah. What, do you got the Emperor's cane for a, <laughs> for a door jam? <laughs> this guy's a thief. He's That's like, what he is. This is my... Uh, he's not a sheriff. He's a crook. This is my collection of... Gold. Let's defund Cobb Vanth. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Sorry. Nope. It's over. <laughs> anyway. Uh, gosh dang it. Sorry, I had a defund Cobb Vanth joke. I couldn't let it slide. Yep, you could have. Anyway. Uh, yeah, but he, he's got all these really important artifacts. Yeah. And he just casually has them. Yeah. It would be funny if he was riding uh, that speeder. And if you watch it, he's not... Uh, it's not like Ray's where she's on top of it. Mm-hmm. There's like a little car to yeah, the a little, side. a little sidecar. It'd be funny if that was Anakin's... Uh, Anakin's engine and it's the the Emperor's throne on the side and he's just like you know I imagine that chilling like Megalind I bet you, up there oh yeah I bet you that the Emperor has a the the armrests open up and he's got a little remote in there that he can start doing the little vibrating chair the little the happy fingers he's got like, the little air conditioning on oh there. dude for sure everyone's grandma has that chair that like they sleep in they don't even actually sleep in their bed that's definitely what that chair is that, that the Emperor has. And so he's riding Anakin's pod racer. They're going through all these little crags and gullies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we hear noises. At first you think, okay, they've gotten to the Krayt Dragon's lair. Yeah. And then uh, you see the little doggies come out. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We uh-huh. haven't seen one of these guys since episode two. Yep. Those are called Massifs. Like uh-huh. Mastiff, but but not. Gravity Massifs. Yeah. Nice. Thanks. Uh, and so, you know, one of them comes out, and then, like, 12 of them come out. It was very much like the Elephant Graveyard. Yeah, it Lion was very King. Elephant Graveyard. I and was like, okay, John Favreau, he will self-ruining some of a gun. And so, uh, you see Cobb Vance start to pull out his blaster rifle. Things are getting hot and sweaty real quick. Yeah. And then you just see Din Djarin whip out another his, little hat trick. He goes full Scooby-Doo. Yeah, and he uh, does this little call. Apparently the Massifs can talk, kind of. Well, I think that they... Because they recognize language, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he says, he makes a sound and it gets their attention, but then he says words. Yeah. And I... that, that Massif goes 10 to 0 real quick and he's mm-hmm. just a happy puppy dog. Yeah. I like how he's wagging his tail. Yeah, he's got a little, his little crocodile neck. Uh-huh. That was cool. Dude, 
it's crazy because we've never really seen a massive like in the light. Because even when they're on Coruscant when they're hunting Ahsoka, uh, well, you see them in Episode Two, right? But it's but fighting it's, over those bones. They're yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. light. But I'm talking about like full daylight. Mm-hmm. So I'd never seen one growl and open up its dadgum alligator mouth. It was like, and I was like, oh man, that's scary. And it goes, Rah! and I was like, oh god. You know how snakes like undo their jaw? Yeah, unhinge their he jaw. He was like, Eek. it was just crazy. He was like, freaking, what angle was that degree? I don't know. Well, if you think about 70 it, degrees, crocodiles don't have cheeks, you know what I mean? So Yeah, just wide open. So that was really cool. And he uh, he just, he does like a little, yo, <laughs> calms him down. And uh, dude, again, we were right on time with the Tuscan the episode. Run, 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 run. And you know what I thought was kind of funny is that... The Tuscans. Run, 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 run. <laughs> the, the Tuscans, when someone burns somebody. The Tuscans <laughs> were perfectly willing to just let those dogs handle it. And, yeah. And then they're like, who the frick is talking to Fido? Dude. <laughs> 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 and then they kind of walk around the corner. I like how, uh, you know how Darth Vader always has his thumbs tucked into his belt? Did you notice that the the test come off around the corner and he's got his thumb stuck to his butt? He's like, oh, what the frick is this? Um, so that's really cool. I love um, my mother-in-law. You've never you've never read or listened to Kenobi, huh? No. Okay. Well, that was one of the first times that I read a or read a book or whatever, listened to a book that I was my eyes were open to the. I guess, uh, what do you want to say this? The, um, what do you call it when, the humanity. Sorry, God, I almost I died. Oh, the humanity. Um, Rosie! <laughs> Mrs. Mouch? <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Mouch? Dude, that guy's overbite is ridiculous. He, if you he haven't, makes the movie for me. Uh, if you guys want to know what my favorite Halloween movie is, it's Wallace <laughs> and Gromit's Curse of the Were-Rabbit. You will not regret watching it. Um, but whenever, um, what the freak was I saying? Oh, that's when you first humanity. really see, the, you, you see the humanity. Defund the humanity. Let's keep talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you first see the humanity of Tuscans. uh, because here's the thing. They're, they are savages and right. they are raiders, but just like Din Djarin says, like they keep their word and they, mm. they, they have a society and you know what? It really did remind me. We talked about this a little bit with the Tuscan Raider episode. Um, but if you are an American, and even if you have Native American or American Indian in your blood, but that's not like really the heritage that you are growing up around, you only hear the quote-unquote victorious side of history, right? Like they say the winners write the history books. So, you know, I'm sure that there are stories that the Japanese or that the Germans told their kids about British soldiers or American soldiers, you know, during mm-hmm. World War II, and, and we were the boogeyman. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not that any side was perfect or whatever. The boogeyman for the German soldiers was not the Americans, It was by definitely the, way. the Russians. Well, from the East. Not the Jews. Well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, History. So, it's in the books, man. I, yeah, I know. Have you ever seen the propaganda for the Germans? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just also about like actual fighting. Those are some very racist drawings. I'm oh, just, for sure. I'm just gonna say it. Very, very. But um, it's interesting because you know, it's uh, when the the Indians and the Americans were fighting. It's like they were portrayed as just straight savages, right. like not like mindless. Like, like if you think about uh, Braveheart. 
Yeah, yeah. Where the counselor for the princess talks about William Wallace in front of him, and I think it was Latin. Yeah, it was. Or French. And, he, you know, he's like, I am a savage. Yeah. he. It's interesting because uh, he says they're animals and savages or something like that, and he says, I'm not an animal, but I am a savage. Uh, Pretty balling. But, uh, yeah, so it's interesting because when you're, let's say you're on the... the you know, colonial side of things and these, you're fighting the American Indians Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, all you know is the war side of them Mm -hmm. for the most part, you know, it's, it's very much like, uh, if you've seen the movie Hostels with Christian Bale, which is freaking fantastic. You know about them, what you've interacted with them. Exactly. All of that has been fighting. Exactly. So, um, I loved in the book Kenobi, there's a middle ground that he finds where it's like he's protecting right. the townspeople. The negotiator. But he's, exactly, he's not going to treat um, the Tuscans like they're not, you know, people. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of what we see happening with, you know, with Din Djarin is yeah. he's, he's been with these people and, and they're people. Yeah. And they have, and they have a society and they have honor and they, And they have you a know, culture, they have, you know, a history, they have relationships. Yeah. And what's interesting about this episode is that you see the savagery of Din Djarin and mm-hmm. that he's willing to kill somebody for breaking the creed right in front of him. But at the same time, he's the peace bringer between these two, you know, diametrically opposed societies. Yeah. And it's very cool because right after he says... He talks with the Tuscans and they say, yeah, bro, we want to kill this freaking crate dragon. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, he's, they say they'll help us. So Cobb Vance like, well, we need to get rid of this crate dragon for mm-hmm. the town. So I'm going to work with these Tuscans even though I don't really like them. Um, but throughout the episode, you really see obviously the relationship between Cobb and Din grows. Uh, but he definitely from the start is more loyal to the sand people. Mm-hmm. He has more respect for the sand people. Yeah. Um, and so when they're around the fire and they open up that disgusting pumpkin or whatever the freak yeah, that I thing is. I don't know is. what that was. Dude, that thing looked like it had spores, bro. <laughs> he like clicked that thing and dust rose off of it and I was like, oh. And he was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Cobble's it was a very, little hangry. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was like, I don't want to drink it. It stinks. Yeah, that was very justified for yeah. me. He was like, it stinks. And he was like, he was like, I don't care if we kill this cake dragon if I have to drink this peyote. Yeah, exactly. It was very funny because he was. They were like, "Do you want their help or not?" And it was such a in the moment thing could that all of us would say, "He's like, I don't want their help. I have to drink this." <laughs> and uh, dude, when the Tuscans were like getting a little pissed off yeah. that they're dishonoring, and then he says, "They already said you dishonor them by stealing their water, and now you reject their hospitality." I was like, "Oh." freaking drink it bro what are you retarded like just do it and so that was very cool um the only the one thing that i was kind of like me about the tuscans is that i did not not that i didn't like it but i wish that their voices would have been less high i know i have a high voice but like whenever around the fireside and it was like i was like i wanted it to be more menacing um, uh, it was menacing when that guy got in his face about but, dropping the bomb. Dude, that was what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> dude, the freaking, uh, you made me jump. The, uh, the That's coolest, how scary it is. The coolest soundtrack, first of all, hats off to freaking Ludwig, I can't remember his last name, but he Von just, Beethoven. Yeah, that bro, he murders it every episode with the Mandalorian. He kills it. And he brought in some Arabic Kind of, it was very freaking sick when the sand people ride into town mm-hmm. uh, once they convinced the townspeople to let them help. <clears throat> and then uh, they're working hand in hand with the sand people, something you never thought you would see. Mm-hmm. And he, they said, if you help us kill the crate dragon and we get to have the meat and such afterward, then 
you know, we will never touch this town again until you break the peace. Mm-hmm. I like that there was a little threat implied there where it was like, but once you do, you best believe we're coming. And hell's coming with me. And we've tombstone. been getting yoked on some crepe dragon jerky for generations here, so we're gonna be. <laughs> you can and tell ready they're strong it. as freak. Yeah, dude. I imagine it's kind of like when a when a human fights a monkey, like the human has the higher intelligence, and we have like you know tools and things. But if you ever see a monkey that has like a disorder where they don't have fur, you ever seen those? You ever seen a picture of that? I have seen a chimpanzee where their chest is naked. Dude, I'll send you all a picture after this, but. For you viewers and listeners at home, Google uh, chimpanzee with no fur, and uh, you will not be disappointed. It looks like a freaking dude. It looks like a UFC fighter if a UFC fighter was allowed to go, be on steroids. Dude. Yeah. I imagine that's how Tuscans are. Like, they're just, you know what I mean? Like, they, they're doing everything by themselves. They're doing everything by hand, so there's not, like, a need for them to have tools and crap. Yeah. Um Let's talk. Yeah, about look at that dude, bro. Look at that. Yeah, that's like strong, dude. Yoel Romero you from the UFC. If he like took steroids, the chimpanzee I named my dog after, Koba, the yeah. villain from Planet of the Apes. He's kind of, his first kind of thing. You can see how muscular. Oh, he is. dude, for real. Uh, so whenever they ride into town and they're working hand in hand, like you said, they mm-hmm. drop the explosive, and that of course it's scary. And the guy's like, "What are you trying to do? Blow up the whole town, mm-hmm. dude?" That Tuscan's voice was off the chain. You got to realize it was two forty-five in the morning when we were watching this, and we were all three like, "Oh, this." Is... It was really good, but we were all exhausted. And I had slept for three hours and woken up, so I was like, "If I fall asleep, I'm not getting back up." <laughs> I was trying to stay awake. And when he was like, "You trying to blow up the whole town? What's wrong with you?" And that Tuscan was like, like dude that guy freaking he was like say it with your chest he freaking stepped up to that guy and i was like oh he's gonna kill him i thought he was gonna kill the dude on the spot but that was freaking sick and uh well it was cool to see cop vanth kind of coming around because mando had to step in between cop vanth and the same earlier on and now cop vanth is keeping the peace between the tuscans and the townsfolk right so man he was like it was an accident uh so they get out there and um man you knew did you guys feel like from the get-go whenever they were putting those bombs in the dirt i was like this ain't gonna work did you feel that way uh i saw the strapped you saw what i saw the strapped bantha and i thought for sure that that was plan a yeah, so did I. I, 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 yeah. I said, I was like, are they going to send this jihad bantha in there and just blow it up from the inside? Oh, my God. I thought that they were going to, yeah. What if they it would have been an honorable death. I thought that they were going to get, like, a green laser and be like, ooh, what's that? And the bantha just chases it into the hole. <laughs> like a freaking cat, oh, just like, meh. And the bantha just runs in there. The crate eats it. Bada bing. They should have lasers. They have pistols, but not lasers. You know... I was making fun of that one uh, Tuscan that went in there with the gaffy stick. Yeah. When there's three of them there towards the end. Uh, but it turns out he had the right plan because the other two were trying to run off with full-on blaster rifles, and he outstripped them by a mile. <laughs> he was gone. Yeah, no no weight coming he, in. He's freaking gone. He's like, I'm going to have this, and it's all going to be for show because we're going to hightail it out of here. Dude, when those Tuscans ride into town, that is bad to the bone. It's freaking sick. And they're doubled up. Uh, was anybody under the impression that those harpoon guns were going to do anything at all? Well, it's hard uh, to, s- to restrain the crate dragon. Because I saw them go in there, and then I saw like three Tuscans each on that rope, and I was like, that's not doing freaking anything, bro. Yeah, the part where um, 
where the the crate starts to pull back against the ropes and there's like three Tuscans hanging on and I was like, let go. And they were like, for our honor. And they're just holding on. And I was like, y'all are screwed. I really wish I could have seen. It I'm reminded sure... me of when I was learning to ski for the first time, water ski. <laughs> and I Something about your forward, pride just holds onto that and line. Nobody told me to let go of the rope. I thought they had to stop. And so I was just like, <laughs> like I'm just getting dragged under the water. You can tell that these at people are miles uh, rebels at heart by how many grenades they throw oh, at yeah. this crate. Nam Carver is yeah. in this crowd for the YouTube Battlefront 2 fans from 2005. Yeah, they were throwing every thermal detonator in the galaxy at that crate dragon. Um, I do like... You know what I don't get? I don't get why Din Djarin has a scope that he uses and he has a heads-up display. Why don't I just use the one? I guess his, he needs to have the antenna on the helmet, but he doesn't. Maybe. Um... I really want to see eventually, I'm sure we'll get some kind of a book or something that'll show us what a crate Dragon looks like. It clearly doesn't look like what we've seen it look like before. I mean, it kind of does. It's got to have claws somewhere. It's not like a worm, right? Is it like a snake? It's a dragon. Right. But I it's kind it, of like, it seems you know, like when it's you, streamlined. You know how when you hear about smog? Yeah. It's, they call them the great worm. Yeah. Like they make them seem like much longer. I guess my. Uh, let's talk about that acid. Dude, he spits that acid out. that he spits out. Is that just like cooking that. folks? Yeah. Are they just disintegrating? Oh, yeah, for sure. Jeez. I, I didn't know they did that. Um, well, they didn't until last night. Let's talk about how he just took a bite out of that side of that mountain casually. When Den and uh, Cobb are up yeah. there? He's like, I don't like this anymore. <clears throat> Dude, so I don't cool. I play with you anymore. <laughs> well, bye, Woody. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. Um,. Yeah, whenever Din is like, all right, let's figure something out. And uh, they're up there on the mountainside, and they're like, pew, pew, pew. And Cobb goes, this ain't doing nothing. That was so funny, dude. Oh, my gosh. Relatable, though. <clears throat> uh, dude, I, my mind was blown with how fast this freaking thing was moving underground, yeah. dude. It was speedy. It was like, because when he moves above the earth, it's like, Urgh. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, like a leopard seal, you know what I mean? Like on land, yeah, that's they're, true. They're free. They're like they're they're not doing anything, but you know you see them in the water, little uh, little mermaids down there. Man. Oh my god, dude! When this acid hits these people, they're just like disintegrating, bro. So let's talk about how you felt about that joke where uh, Din Djarin hits Cobb Vance jetpack and sends him off to Kingdom Come. Did not care for it, to be completely honest with you. Didn't like the joke. <laughs> As a Boba Fett fan, it was funny, but I was not respectful. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I I guess I and liked in it. in proximity of a Sarlacc pit. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it partially because I was like, see, not his fault. Uh, but yeah, I get it. Uh, the whole argument Boba Fett got beat by a blind guy is, is I don't agree with that. Because one, Boba was probably drunk off of his you-know-what. Spending the night at Jabba's palace thinking that all of his worries were in the wind. Uh, secondly... Uh, I really think that, yeah, getting hit with that thing and then hitting face first into the... It was a lucky thing. It was a lucky... Could Chris Weidman actually beat Anderson Silva if Anderson Silva didn't get cocky and didn't break his leg the second time? Absolutely freaking not. Chris Weidman's trash. It was lucky. Two lucky times, though, so maybe double luck. I don't know. Um, but to see the Tuscans just, like, freaking afraid for their life, that was really crazy because they're not really... You only see them like that from the crates, even in episode four. Right. Well, I mean, the whole Vader thing is kind of a big deal. But um, 
man, watching the crate when he does come above ground and he's got the horns on the back of his head, that was real cool. Yeah, that was cool. Man, imagine being dude, all that sand in your mouth. That would be I disgusting. I was thinking about that. But I mean like that's your that's your livelihood, I guess if you're a crate dragon, you just live in the sand. Right. Dude, uh you know what I was thinking about was the amount of times that he shoots that rocket off from mm-hmm. his jetpack. Yeah. Um in the book Bloodlines by Karen Travis from the Legacy of the Force series, Boba Fett um lends some armor to Han Solo and they're working together and Han Solo uses one of those to blow up a door and Boba Fett goes you know how much those cost? So the whole time that he was just like, pew, 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 just shooting those jetpack missiles off, I was I mean, like, he does it twice. getting expensive, bro. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking about it. Also, that was like a couple of years apart. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it was 10 minutes apart in my mind. <laughs> so I was like, stop being so wasteful. Uh, but dude, Din Djarin does something really dope. He hangs onto that Bantha. And it's cool because he was prepared to die because you hear him tell, tell Cobb, man, take care of the child. Mm-hmm. And that's when he hits the the jetpack. What well, it's the, cool is that he uses um, that lightning prod function on the uh, blaster. Mm-hmm. You don't really see that. It's, I think since episode two was the last time he used it, because um, he used it in episode one against that ice creature. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode yeah, yeah. two, I think he used it when he was trying to get his parts back from the Jawas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. Sh- you see him just shoot, bam, 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 but you don't, I don't think you see him like really nerf like. Sp- you know, murk anything like he does. Yeah, so, like, that's how he gets the, the mouth of the crate dragon back open. He, you know, does the lightning prod in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Dude, I guess it makes sense because it's sand. Man, that crate is just barreling through things. But, yeah, he gets out of there because of the lightning, and then he blows that thing up from the Straight inside out. Smithereenies. Yosemite Sam's the crap out of that crate dragon, bro. Dude, and you see the shockwave go out. Yeah. Dude, how cool would it have been if he did that? And it went... Why? Why don't that would have been? Let's sick. talk about why they had so many bombs in reserve. If their plan was to just blow that thing to kingdom come from under the sand, you know what I mean? I guess. I feel like there are more bombs on that bantha than there were under the sand. I guess it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's very interesting because it was clear to us that they Din, didn't Din really Jarn, have a plan B. Dinjarn I mean? was like, we only get one shot at right. this. But, but maybe got like a whole bomb. Maybe worth the of one, maybe the one shot at shot. this is less about we get one shot because we have only one set of bombs, and more of once this thing blows up, it's probably going to retreat, and that's why he needed to really keep riling it up. Right, but if that were the case, you know, why would you keep so many bombs if you thought, you know, what I mean, like you've only got the one opportunity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Then you see him ransacking the uh, the inside of this freaking uh, this crate. Oh, man, that is a lot of meat. So what's the significance of the uh, Crate Dragon Pearl? Okay, yeah, so um, at the very, very end, you see uh, one Tuscan open up, you know, an inside of his, you know, the inside of this crate, and he holds up this pearl. Mm -hmm. And at first we were like, but it's not an egg, it's a pearl. Uh, It's not necessarily significant in the sense that, like, it's from a specific story or anything like that. But it's very much, um, it's just like, it's lore. So it's very, to see a crate dragon is rare. To kill a crate dragon is even more rare. And within every crate dragon, or it's it's kind of like dragons ha- are attracted to treasure. Mm-hmm. And so they're in the Star Wars lore, they somehow... It, it kind of makes sense because they ingest so much sand mm-hmm. that within its inter uh, is what I'm trying to say, innards 
within the innards of a crate dragon, some of that gets compacted and forms a pearl or mm-hmm. pearls. And so to to the Tuscans, it's a it's a it's a big, 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 like sacred thing because that's their number one enemy. Mm-hmm. Right? So before people settled Tatooine, it was really the Tuscans, they don't really care about the Jawas. Um, they even trade with them and stuff like that. So for them, it's really them versus the environment. And the only really adversity that they face would be against the crates if they've been there for so many thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And so to defeat uh, a crate dragon and then to find the pearl within, it was like a, it was just a big moment, very spiritual very cool. for them. And so they're holding it up and you have the classic with the freaking... Uh, you know, Gadurfi sticks. I do like uh, how Cobb Vant has, he's got his uh, shirt that he's wearing under the armor. And I do like how, if you, I don't know if you all noticed this, but it's designed like a double-breasted thing, kind of like old underalls. Yeah, or like a uh, chef's tunic. Yeah. But like, you know, when you would see like, um, <clears throat> you know, in the old like Fox and the Hound, whenever the bad guy comes out of the house and he's got his long johns on, mm-hmm. they have kind of that, double-breasted like so that was cool it was a cool like here's a space version of this western idea and uh he also has a bandana Mm -hmm. so i thought that was really cool that he has a bandana over the armor and he says uh he says i hope our crafts our paths cross again and din jaren says likewise they shake hands and Cobb vanth points at the jetpack and he goes now tell your folks i wasn't the one that broke that so i thought that was pretty funny and um so then, yeah, I'll 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 give a nod to you. You were right. It was Boba Fett's jetpack on the back of that speeder bike. Yep, it was blurry, but I saw people. Uh, I I was like, man, that looks kind of like Boba's armor. And then I saw people who had um, taken it through like Photoshop and different filters and really like changed the lighting and the structure of a picture to really make things pop. And when they did that, and they're like, see, here's the helmet. Here's this, this, this. I was. Oh, this maybe could be, but once I saw that, I really was convinced, mm-hmm. and I know that it was a long shot, but that's what it was. And uh, so I like that he brought he had a chunk of meat for himself. I thought mm-hmm. that was cool. Um, and Some then jerky. he's covering that up, and then here's the freaking pearl, and the, they're like freaking psyched about it, bro. What if they just got so excited that they just started shooting everybody? He just started killing all those folks. One thing that I did notice when I looked those up is mm-hmm. most of those pearls. Um, if you look at the like the pictures of the the Tuscans holding the pearls, they can hold it in one hand. Yeah, and this one right here is massive, so they're having to. That just goes to show how big that thing is. Yeah, yeah the crate dragon. It's not that the ones that we see. I know I made a joke earlier, but I think the one that you see in Episode Four is probably a large crate dragon. I think this one was like, you know, Big Daddy, the Moby Dick of crate dragons. Moby Dick is the name of the whale, right? Uh, yes, because Ahab is yeah. the name of the yes. fisherman. So, yeah, this guy's like the legend, you know. This mm-hmm. is the whale in Pinocchio that eats freaking the whole boat. Yeah. That whale was terrifying, by the way. Uh, so you got Din Djarin, and he's... It's kind of interesting because he, what one thing that I'm uh, concerned... Not concerned about, but curious about is he's now got this armor. Where does he go from here? Because this guy was going to tell him... If, if Cobb Vanth ended up being a real Mandalorian, the goal was you send me underground to the closest culvert of Mandalorians Mm -hmm. and through their networks, they'll know where a Jedi is or they'll know something about the Jedi because throughout history, Mandalorians and Jedi kind of are interwoven. So I think that Den knows less about Mandalorian history than maybe other people who have had a very rich clan history. Well, and I mean, even if it were Boba Fett and he did find him, Boba Fett's not really in that network. 
as far as we know. You know what I mean? Right. I would like to address the fact that people think that Boba Fett's not a real Mandalorian. Um, and my one beef is not that he's... I'm not saying he's in it like like pre, like uh, Paz Vizsla, the big Mando from episode three of last season. That guy was like a lifer and like he knew all the creed and he was like... He was pissed off that this guy, you know, you got that from Imperials and he wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. That guy's in the clan. That guy's in the group. He's in the know. I'm not saying that's Boba Fett. But when your argument against Boba or Jango Fett being Mandalorians is that Prime Minister Almec from Clone Wars said that Jango Fett wasn't a Mandalorian, that is a stupid argument. Because everything that that guy says is a freaking lie. And if it's if your concern is they took off their helmets, what Mandalorian from the Clone Wars didn't take off their helmets? Like that thing could have very well been something that they did after the Imperial Purge to hide their whatever. So when people online are like, "Well, Prime Minister Almec said Jango Fett was a Mandalorian," that I don't understand that argument because he, the whole time he's talking to Obi Wan, his goal is lie, 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 deceive, deceive, deceive. Get this guy looking away from Mandalore. Yeah, this guy has the armor, but he's not a real Mandalorian because real Mandalorians don't do that kind of stuff. Jango Fett's just a thug, yada, yada, yada. So to me, I understand that Jango Fett, you know, Boba Fett's a clone of Jango and whatnot. But if that's your main argument against Boba and Jango being Mandalorians, the guy is lying for the whole episode and is proven to lie the entire episode. So I don't understand why that's your argument. If your argument is we've never seen him interact with Mandalorians, we've never seen him really hold true to the Mandalorian creed or whatever, we've never seen examples of that, then that's fine. But does that make sense? Yep. And, yeah, my main thing is that you just don't see him. He's not a Mandalorian kind of guy. You know what I mean? He wears the armor. His dad was Mandalorian, you know, by some sort of tradition, right? Right. He had some sort of affiliation with Mandalore because, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Almec knew who he was. Uh Um. But you just you kind of see him doing his own thing. He's not really connected, right? Um, but the thing is, at that to- at that time in history, there weren't really Mandalorians doing the thing that we see as the creed. The creed is maybe it's a the creed is not new in the grand scheme of things, but it is new in the timeline that we're watching because nobody was following the creed, even pre Vizsla and the Death Watch. They were all taking their helmets off. They were all doing all this other stuff. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. There's there's uh, something that I remember from um, from the Legacy of the Force series. I understand this is Legends, but it's just something Boba Fett said that always stuck with me that I was like, see, he gets it. Um, there's a character that's trying on Mandalorian armor, and they're like, oh, man, this is kind of uncomfortable at first. And Boba Fett says, try shaving in it. So, like, his commitment to keeping the helmet on is... He's shaving with that helmet on in his own bathroom with the door shut by himself in Slave 1. That's just like his style. And I know that's, like I said, I know that's Legends, um, but uh, that's just always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see how Boba I, Fett might catch up with Din Djarin. Yeah. So uh, Din Djarin and the child are leaving. They have Boba Fett's armor in, ta- in tow. They don't know whose armor it is. Um, and he's riding across the desert of the Dune Sea. Obviously, try, probably back to the Razor Crest, and you see a beautiful twin sun sunset. And then on the horizon, uh, you see the silhouette of a, a frontlit character. It's backlit, but he's facing the other way. And um, 
as you get closer, a certain someone turns around. Yeah. And uh, y'all know who it is. It's that boy. It's Jing- It's Boba Fett, bro. It's yeah. Boba Fett back from What's the dead. What's cool is that he has like a, a whole complement of s- Tusken weapons. Yeah. He's got a Tusken blaster. He's got a Tusken uh, gappy stick. Or... Yeah. Dude, it's so freaking sick. And uh, I was driving home last night at, at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was thinking about it. And I was thinking, um, I was thinking, dude, this is such a moment of like vindication for me personally. Uh, of just wanting Boba to be back for so long. And uh, I feel like I have a, a strange connection to Boba because it's not, it's outside of S- Star Wars as well. Because I remember when um, when we were younger, dad was traveling a lot for uh, for work and he would bring back little, you know, toys or whatever for us when he was on his trips. And he'd be gone for like two weeks at a time sometimes. And he came back one time and he had, uh, this is when we were still living at uh, in Kingwood. So this was like, we were real young. Mm-hmm. And he brought back three shirts and uh, he gave Sean a Darth Vader shirt. And I was like, oh my God, freaking Darth Vader. We know who that is, right? And he gave you a Luke Skywalker shirt. And then he gave me Boba Fett. And I was like, who the freak is this? And uh, and I remember being like, he looks cool, you know, which has always been Boba Fett's thing. He looks cool. And so I'm looking at it and I realized that um, he's an important character. Well, then they re-released the original trilogy before episode one came out. And so I'm watching those in theaters with with uh, with you and Dad, and uh, it was a special edition. So Boba Fett shows up in A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. He's the guy that can catch anybody. He's the guy that he's the only one that mounts off to Darth Vader. Uh, just a bad to the bone character, and I was so excited. Then when I really started to become a huge fan of Star Wars, Episode Two came out, and that's when you see. Daniel Logan as Boba Fett, but you see Django, mm-hmm. and I remember that was the first that was the first Star Wars toy that I was looking for as a kid was that Django Fett where his hands were like this, and there's a little thing you could push the little thing and a rocket would shoot out of his jetpack. And so, um, in sixth grade, when I really started to try to read like on my own, I'm just reading because I'm told to like I'm enjoying reading. Um, I read. A book called *The Mandalorian Armor*, which is the first book of the Bounty Hunter Wars, uh, by a guy named K.W. Jeter, and uh, the series is not fantastic. It's like there's a lot of stuff compared to like Tim Zahn and like you know stuff that we read now. This doesn't hold up as far as um, you know. It's not *Lost Stars* by Claudia Gray or anything like that. But uh, this is my first Star Wars book I ever read. And it's the story about how there's this war going on, and he basically gives you the backstory of how Boba Fett gets out of the Sarlacc, and um, and so he's always been my favorite. And maybe it's because me and my dad over the years have had like a uh, a really good relationship, and then a really strange relationship, and then now we're back in a place where our relationship's really good. So to me, Boba Fett goes beyond he's just a Star Wars character. Like that's a I don't know if that's weird, but that's a connection me and my dad have. And so when people talk about how overrated Boba Fett is or when they're like, you know, talking crap about Boba, I think one of the reasons that I take it personally is because I'm like, my dad bought me that shirt when I was five. You shut up. And so it became personal. And so for him to be out, I was like, yeah, this is the man. Like this is, I don't know. He was just so cool because that's my favorite character. That's my, that's my childhood hero is Boba Fett. And, uh, there's comics called uh, Enemy of the Empire, Boba Fett, and he's fighting Darth Vader. And as a kid, I was reading them, and I was like, he's going to win, even though obviously they both have to survive because they're in Empire Strikes Back. And so um, 
when Disney bought Star Wars and Boba was back in the Sarlacc, I was like, I don't know. I was kind of depressed. I was kind of like, dude, what the frick? Like, I don't know. It was kind of a strange thing. I know that's weird, but um, to see, like, hear rumors and maybe this will happen, maybe this will happen, but anybody can edit IMDb. It's like Wikipedia. Like, anybody can go in there and be like, yeah, Tamir Morrison's going to play Boba Fett. Like, it's not confirmed confirmed, right? And then who? what if someone goes in and hacks Tamir Morrison's agent's page? And I was just, I was so paranoid that he wasn't really going to show up. And so to see him, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a childhood dream come true. I never, think about this, I never got to see old school Boba Fett on screen for the first time. Like, by the time I was born, Empire and... All those things, even A New Hope when it was re-released, like I wasn't looking for that when it came out. I just happened to see it. This is the first time that on, you know, not that it was the big screen, but it's the biggest screen we can watch right now. Nothing's being really new released in theaters at this time uh, for the most part. And so um, just a very, very fulfilling moment for me and just being on Tatooine of all places and he's out and he clearly wants his armor back and for the man himself, Tamura Morrison, to be the guy... uh, it just a, and it was kind of an emotional moment for me. I was riding home and I was like, "Am I tearing up? What's going on right now? Is, is it 3 a.m.? Maybe that's it. You know, I don't know." But it was a cool moment. It was very, very cool. And so, um, I didn't have that same. I was excited for Thrawn when he was brought back, and obviously Jackson was cool because that's just like silly. But Thrawn, I was very excited. But I have this weird, I guess, emotional attachment to Boba Fett because of, of, uh, that's like one of the cool things that me and my dad have a connection with. And so to see him brought back, I just really hope they do him justice. And so for everybody out there that I just like jump on whenever they talk about how overrated Boba Fett is, it's not because I hate you. It's because uh, just a different different level of commitment to the character for me. So anyways, I loved the episode and um, I can't wait. I can't believe that we have to wait a freaking other, another week and uh, knowing Star Wars, he's going to like leave Tatooine and go fight Moff Gideon for a week and then have to come back later and we're not going to see Boba till episode five or some crazy crap like that. Maybe not till season three. <sighs> but this will have to hold me over. It's like eggnog. You get it every once in a while. It's really good and you just got to cherish it while it's here. But I really loved it. It was very, it was satisfying as a viewer and it was satisfying as a personally for me. So I know I went on a little rant there, but... For a while, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's just how I felt. Just how I felt. Yep. So, uh, if you have to have a moment like that, it's fine. I don't. <laughs> it's okay. That's cool. All right. Uh, well, that's a long episode, so we're just going to... We'll call it. Uh, any last thoughts? Short ones? No. No. Okay. Short ones. <laughs> hey, you still couldn't tell us your favorite Star Wars movie last week, so there are, there's emotional attachments there for you, too, so... And I didn't take 12 minutes to say them. That's okay. All right. Uh, Well. There you go. The Force will be with you always. And uh, remember, the only family that you have here is me. Space base. See you guys next week. All right, take it easy, y'all.